Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Blitz Podcast. It's been a little bit, but me and John Legaza are back. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. And of course, like I said, joining me, my co-host, Mr. NFL Moving Averages, uh, John Legaza. What's up, John? Yes, Matt, I missed you, man. I missed you. And it's great. We're so close to all the big, important drafts are coming up. The season is right around the corner and I am loving it. You know, I'm a market guy, so I love price machinations you know I, I love the movement and i love the way people react so this is probably the most fun time of year for me as far as football goes all right so today's topic with one big draft weekend left before football kicks off next week we're taping this on friday uh september 3rd uh we're going to talk about the players we have the highest percentage of shares of and uh, we had a mini conversation before the show started me and john where i was saying uh, fantasy. I mean, I'm a, me and him are both big, uh, avid fantasy baseball players as well. Uh, the problem with football is there's so much variance when it comes to, um, game script, when it comes to injury, when it comes to what coaches do, uh, versus what you think they should do that. If you are really only playing in like one league, there's so much variance. Anything can happen. I think to fully take advantage of fantasy football, if you have, you know, your own analysis, you believe in yourself, you probably should play in a few to try, you know, nothing, you don't have to be in something egregious, like some of the best players in the world, um, you know, they win because of volume and they have a system that works and they take, take, they take advantage of uh, market inefficiencies and ADP not catching up to uh, things that happen. But, um, you know, if, if you really do believe in yourself, I, I would try to at least, do a few leaks. <laughs> you will do better because, you know, it's nothing worse than you take a whole off season, you do your one big draft and then boom, um, you know, your, your, the head coach decides he likes the backup running back more and your quarterback gets hurt, wide receiver gets hurt, whatever. Uh, a lot can go wrong. Um, but anyway, right now we are going to talk about the highest percentage shares we have of any players. And this is not meaning the players we are targeting the most. Like I love Aaron Jones. He's my RB four, but there's a time and a place where you can get him, <laughs> you know, like if you're drafting in the 12, you're probably not getting him. If you're drafting, you're the one, two uh, or three, you're probably, you know, you're not probably taking him there. First round players, second round players. It's usually where you end up in the draft depends on how many times you can draft them. These are just the players that overall me and John have the highest percentage of shares of. So most of mine, if <laughs> pretty much all of them are like, I don't know, round six, seven or later, uh, because that allows you to kind of start reaching uh, well beyond what established ADP is. Uh, so before we get started, John, any, any more, any thoughts on just um, pretty much playing variants and how, your general strategy on what anyone should be doing in this final weekend. Uh, you know, I, I told everyone, if you're, you're on one draft to get at least two, three, four, five, uh, get, get a few in there and you know, they don't have to be for like a lot, but for your own enjoyment, whatever you can handle, how much time you can put into it. Uh, it'll, it'll make your experience. I think a lot better. Yeah. I think there, there's probably a few kind of 35,000 foot viewpoints here. One, you're hundred percent right about the variance. And if you only play in a single league, it probably means you should not beat yourself up too much if you don't succeed and maybe not pump yourself up too much either if you do succeed. I think another probably point that needs expansion on that is diversification. And I think that's part of what you're saying is to have multiple teams. And it, again, it doesn't have to be a hundred teams. It does not. In betting, something I often use are strategies called the round robin. And if people aren't familiar, very simply put, one of my favorite things to do is, let's say you have three pairs, you know, three picks, you could play three unique pairs, A plus B, B plus C, and A plus C. And, and the idea here is just to allow yourself exposure to all of your favorites, even if it's not a million, just three, it could be a handful where if one kind of engine blows out, the whole season isn't lost with all the hard work that you're doing. 
The other part of that I'd like to expand on is, and Matt, you, you were really just touching on it, is something that I do bring from playing volume fantasy baseball is that diversification. And it probably should represent some kind of pyramid or triangle, meaning no matter what player you like in the first round, whether it's Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams, both players I really like, you should not be overloading on anybody in the first couple rounds. I truly believe every fantasy team looks good after three rounds, providing you haven't done something completely crazy. That being said, you really got to be careful overloading those picks because then again, if that engine blows out and you had that top pick in all of your pairings, all of the teams go down. So your most owned players should be further back into the draft. So when we go over that, I'm going to talk about the guys I own the most of physically, right? The most shares. But then I think I want to kind of circle the players that are near the front that I have the most of. So Matt, you and I always into kind of nuance and context. So I just wanted to lay that out first. And like you said, I'm not, I know there's not a lot of time left. There's a lot of people listening that maybe are, you know, uh, you've already done some of your drafts. You only have one left. Maybe you're only doing one. And it's just this weekend what have you. Uh, maybe you're listening to this, trying to get an idea of uh, pick our brains of who we like the most for trade opportunities. Um, if you're drafting so far, obviously, if you're, I mean, if you have a draft coming up, most of these guys, we have the highest percentage of share ofs are going to be later round guys. The reason we have so many is because they are later. And I have many teams where I have um, mo- multiple of these guys. When I name my wide receivers, I probably have a f- quite a few teams where I have all three of these guys because uh, I'm going to name you three here because they're so inexpensive that um, you know I'm willing to uh, if I you know if I if I strike out on one of them, it's not going to hurt. So that's one thing there. But yeah, we'll talk about some early round guys as well. So anyway, jumping into it at quarterback. I got three for you. I'm going to give you my first one. Then I'll turn it over to John for his first. Uh, Matthew Stafford is my uh, highest percentage share uh, quarterback. It's not by design. It's just the way it goes. Um, I'm never going to be the guy to take the first quarterback off the board. I don't have any Pat Mahomes. Uh, the only reason I would ever have Mahomes if I was 101 in a super flex league, and I haven't had that this year. So um, if I'm not getting a guy with some wheels, uh, you know, if I'm not getting Lamar Jackson, if I'm not getting Josh Allen, if I'm not getting someone who could uh, give me a little bit of bonus ceiling, I'm not going to draft Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to draft Tom Brady. I'm going to wait a while. And Matthew Stafford just happens to be some guy that drops further than he should in drafts, in my opinion. And I think he's just so ridiculously undervalued every single year. He now goes to the Rams. He's out of Detroit. He goes to the Rams where he has Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. And I think he could be in for the absolute best season of his entire career going over with Sean McVay. I mean, when you think of Matthew Stafford, do you think healthy or unhealthy as far as his career? You know, I've been playing long enough, Matt, that I remember when he once was thought of as being injury prone. And I think it was a a finger on the helmet, if I remember correctly, after a shoulder, but that's about it. He's been, he's been pretty durable. I think that's kind of a bad rap Stafford's gotten. I'm with you. I think, I think he's set to really be awesome. I mean, this is probably his best weaponry. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the reason I ask is uh, I think the vast majority of casual players consider him an injury prone player. Yes. No, that's certainly the rap on him right now. It is. It's part of the, it's part of the wide analysis that we're hearing. And since 2011, he's played and started in all 16 games in every year but one. Is that in 2019, good? he played eight of 16. And every other season since 2011, he started all 16 games. <laughs> so, um, again, I think, you know, he's, he's not going to give you that rushing. He's that rushing ceiling. Uh, but I think that, you know, if, if you're going to wait, you know, I mean, if you, I think I, Baker Mayfield, I think he's in for a bounce back, but I think he's too expensive for not having really proven it. Even having a strong end of the season last year, he still was not near the top. Uh, Matthew Stafford has proven that he, as just a passer, can be at the top. He could throw for 5,000 yards this year. He could throw for 35 to 40 touchdowns this year. He absolutely could. He's done it before. Uh, so, yeah, I love Matthew Stafford. Uh, the only guy that, like, maybe later um, is uh, – Someone that I would wait on is uh, I think Kirk Cousins has a good beginning of schedule, but again, yeah. I it, he, that's only because of cost. I have two other guys here that I haven't talked about yet, but anyway, who's your first quarterback? I think Matthew Stafford is is just freaking terrific, and it's just a matter of I'm not reaching for him, 
but um, he just falls too far in my opinion. And uh, yeah, give me Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I love that. I love the call on Stafford. I'm looking at my exposure right now. I have done quite a few uh, teams. I probably have over 70 teams already. I don't know how that happened. I do love best bowling, you know, because there's so little in-season management, you know, none. This is probably my most interesting player of all positions because, again, I'm very proud of myself looking at this exposure and seeing across 50, 60, 70 teams, I do not have a single quarterback other than one on more than 17% of them. Because again, diversification, very important, particularly for quarterbacks. My guy is Jalen Hurts. And I mentioned before, um, you know, the context, right? That the highest guy should be in the back, but then there might be an overall. The reason I like Hurts so much is he checks all the boxes for me. Apples to apples. He's my favorite quarterback pick in the entire draft. The, The single game upside is Michael Vick. I mean, the last week 15 at Arizona, 338 and three, as if that was enough. He went for 1163 and one on the ground. 1163 and one on the ground is a RB2 production from your quarterback who went for 340 and three scores. Not many players can do that. And in case you thought that was a fluke, he went to Dallas the week after that, went for 342, one and two. Sure, the two picks not great, but again, 70 yards on the ground. So those picks are negated because of the rushing floor. And I mentioned the two best passing games, not the cherry pick. The week before against New Orleans, he was home. He wasn't great through the air but he rushed for over a hundred yards. I mean, this guy is a cheat code. I am not sure why the market is so low on him. I, 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 it could be the Deshaun Watson rumors. Maybe I've been affected by the bad people in fantasy baseball. I don't think Watson is going to play at all. I would not be worried about him taking snaps away from Hurts. Every time we're going to the Eagles, I'm not interested in that at all. For me, it's hurt all the way, Matt. He is my favorite pick as a quarterback in the whole draft. There are times I've waited to get him as my QB1, and then I have squads where he's my QB2, and on best ball squads where Hurts is your QB2, I feel like you don't have to go back to the well, and that's his potential there. If I have one of the QBs with wheels, like you mentioned, which I do think separate themselves from the pack of because of the rushing floor, Hurts has that as well. So for me, it's Hurts. Other than that, I could just give you the list, but they're all equally shared. And it's Justin Fields. You mentioned my favorite pairing, Matt, which was Kirk Cousins. Not that many people are looking at schedules. Fields probably will be quarterbacking the Bears by week four or five. If Cousins can get you to Fields, you might have QB1 production all the way through that you didn't have to pay for. And after that, I'd say my favorite Tradi- I'm like air quoting traditional QB, meaning, you know, if I were in a QB one, one QB league, it's got to be Justin Herbert, because I still think there's a little bit more to unlock there. And he looks like he could be that top three QB one that's going a little bit further back. I'm going back to Hertz because I'll, I'll comment on a lot of the guys because you, you just mentioned a lot of names. Hertz, uh, I have no issue with him. Um, I think the the thing that he's, he's certainly the um, most inexpensive mobile quarterback who has a job <laughs> uh, and that's like a, every, everyone is is obsessed with lance obsessed with fields lance may not even play which i, I think i think pick where it's going i think I so many people don't understand i think fields will play we don't know when there's a i think lance will but there's a legitimate chance he doesn't um i mean the president of the team even said that when they drafted him that he'd prefer he sit an entire year i don't know how you can dismiss that out of hand um, but anyway, I, I think he will play, but I mean, Hertz is going to play that being said. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone who is sharp ever thought that Deshaun Watson was going to come in and take anyone's job, especially with just, um, the logistics of his situation. I think the worry is the fact that the rumors are out there and not shot down. The fact that they were actively looking to replace Hertz, uh, the fact that they did bring in a uh, a very you know maybe the best backup in football in Ryan you know in uh, Gardner Minshew not that he's yeah. going to take over but it, all those things combined I think are a concern 
Um, but again, that's, I think, baked into his cost. I have no problem getting him. I think if you have him, you, I'll, I think you have to maybe be a little more serious about your backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. I mean, and, oh, and going back, uh, he should never be your QB two. You were talking about, uh, best ball, but no one's, I don't think anyone's drafting best ball at this point. So for everyone listening, if you're a more casual player, absolutely should never have a, uh, a quarterback with a, like Jalen hurts as your backup. If, if you're, if you feel compelled to draft two quarterbacks, um, definitely do not grab a guy his caliber for for your QB2. No, um, no well would you now how about this I I do like the pivot I like the format pivot but I do get myself in trouble with that sometimes Matt so I got to apologize cuz I do so many different things. I I want to agree with you there. Are you comfortable with him as your QB1? I want to tack on one more thing that I know you and I spoke about you know off the air and I know you and I are simpatico in regards to this and it's about the critical stats that that matter, right? The inputs that matter. Philadelphia Eagles last year, they were tied for second in the NFL at 24 seconds a snap. If football is determined by opportunities, that is a huge checkmark for me there. I love that they are at the line and snapping the ball, running as many plays as anybody. Again, they were top five in plays run and the blocking wasn't bad last year. So I think, I, I do think the, I, I think the, I think the formula is there for him to succeed. But to my question is, are you comfortable with him in a, as your QB in a one QB league? Not really. No. Even considering that you could wait so long that he'd be an easy drop? Um, No, because, I mean, you're taking him in a round that you can get a lot of very significantly quality players. Uh, this is me. I understand. I, I, I'm not going to argue against doing it. Like I said, he's he has a job and he has the, the upside to be a um, – I want to say a top three quarterback. I, he has that up. Wow, that, listen, that's all the respect you'd have to put on his name. That says it all. Um, I, I, the, I guess one of the main reasons is my QB, my second quarterback that I've most rostered is Ryan Tannehill, who's going usually after him. Um, right. I, he just, I think, I mean, if I said Stafford is the most underrated quarterback in football, that's real football. Ryan Tannehill is the most underrated player in all of fantasy football. Uh, you know, since coming over to Tennessee, I mean, he's just been uh, nothing but consistent and and fantastic in that play action offense, which runs beautifully for him. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, everyone thinks of it as a you know a running team, but you know the, on on first drives, everyone's keying in on Derrick Henry, where you know Ryan Tannehill rolls out, and the only one who's more productive on play action was Aaron Rodgers. Which, by the way, his coach. Um, uh, was the his his coach and the Tennessee? I mean, they all come from the same idea. Obviously, um, Atlanta has now scooped up Tennessee's coach, uh, so you don't know what you're going to get this year as far as the game plan. But you know, Arthur Smith, uh, you know, it left Tennessee to go to uh, to go to Atlanta. But I would expect to see a similar. Uh, you know, a similar offense, kind of like when uh, Matt LaFleur left, they kind of kept a similar offense and um, now they had better personnel. Arthur Smith took it to the next level. He leaves. I think we see it taken to the next level again for Ryan Tannehill because they bring in Julio Jones. Uh, you know, they so you are looking at this already top offense who has defensive issues. They're going to have to score a bunch and they're going to be throwing a lot more. I think now that you have both AJ Brown, Anthony Ferkser and Julio Jones, uh, Julio is not taking all the defensive attention and you have AJ Brown out there. So you have these two unbelievable options. So I think that Ryan Tannehill's in after last year, throwing almost 4,000 yards. I think he scored seven or eight on the ground himself, which I would say a lot of people are looking for regression there, which I think that's the smart one. Money would probably be on that considering he didn't score that much early in his career. But with that play action offense, it's it's literally works into his favor. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another strong season of him scoring on the ground as well. So um, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, I love him because I he's his ADP is um is is actually past his floor you know how they say don't right. draft a player at his ceiling he's being drafted below his floor so yeah well, uh, yeah. yeah no no it's a great yeah, that's awesome i mean you're that was spoken like a like a fantasy baseball expert right we often talk about success being had with quote-unquote right the boring veterans to add title is not really boring you know but it gets that moniker because of i don't know if it's a bit from his from his past or maybe because of like you said Tennessee kind of getting the 
the stamp of being a running team. You mentioned my major concern, Maddie, And so it's this. Through week 11 last year, he only had one rushing TD and hadn't cracked 40 yards. He went on to score five rushing touchdowns in the last three weeks. So, you know, RB1, RB1 production from Tannehill. Now, the thing about regression, I'm not going to walk into the trap of that's automatically regressed. And it's because of Derrick Henry. He's such a focus on the goal line. If you see those plays, you have to focus on Henry. And it leaves the back door open for Tannehill. And he has a nose for the end zone. He is effective. So, it may, it's a little scary, the proposition that I think you're going to need those because he only had three 300-yard passing games last year. And I do think they are going to look to focus on running the ball, right? Henry, one of the few guys you could chalk up for 25, 27 carries. I, I would actually, really I, I actually would disagree. I, I think they continue the play action, but I think you'll see a lot more passing. I mean, when you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, how can you not? Don't you? Uh, I I think that has to be a function of the game script and <laughs> Tennessee defense, like Matt mentioned, was terrible. They were bottom third, just across the board points. They were bottom three in in sacks. Although we should five. mention Derrick Henry's kind of game game. Uh, um, what what that guy? What, what am he's I trying game to say? Game script dependent as well. well no, no he, he, I think he's a little game script proof because anytime he touches the ball, he could go for a first down. Yeah, that's well, but that's that is absolutely true. But we did see. You know, those high scoring games where, you know, the usage drops off. But again, you mentioned the variance in football. It's just what it is, right? There's a game against Cleveland, 15 for 60. That is going to happen from time to time, depending on the script. I, I, listen, I'm a big Henry guy. I feel like people are letting him fall because of the lack of receptions. I don't really care that much. He's the back. To have for me, I have him right up there. I might even take him apples to apples over Cook. One guy, I'm a little different from the market. I think I'm with you, Matt. Aaron Jones is my dude. You know, my board is like CMC and Henry and Jones and then Cook. But I see what you're saying. I'm, I, I That's what I think my worry is with, with Tannehill, that there is a possibility when you see the game log that the script kind of have him out of it, right, where he was – not a QB one, got to say five times last year, which is not, which is not great, and it doesn't mean that's necessarily repeatable. But there is a floor. <laughs> uh, I uh, I don't know. I I love him. I think he's gonna. I I, mean, I think the I think price career, is right. I think career year is coming. Uh, my last quarterback is. I mean, it'll tell you probably tell you how much I like this guy because I don't like to draft quarterbacks early. But Russell Wilson is my third highest well, own, uh, rostered quarterback because. I, I, he's just, he's just disrespected uh, every single year. He's good. He's thrown for 4,000 yards the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, he's in there with, uh, you know, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett just sent the, uh, just set the Seahawks record for, I think, receptions in the season. They, uh, dw- they drafted Dwayne, uh, uh, what's, what's his name? Uh, Eckridge. Uh, um, and you know, this, Chris Carson has been known to get banged up from time to time. And they have a new offensive coordinator in there, Shane Waldron. And he has been working with them to try to implement a new offense in Seattle. And they are going to, as they say, let Russell cook a bit. Uh, So this is more of a price thing for me because usually Mahomes will go sometime in the third, sometimes crazies will draft him in the second. And then people will wait a little while and then boom, the floodgates will open sometimes with like Allen Jackson, um, Dak, Kyler all going in a row. And then Russell is just kind of left, left on the board sometimes to sit there for almost an entire round yeah. um, before Aaron Rodgers and, and Herbert and Brady go. And you said you like Herbert. I do too. I think he could be in it for an amazing year, but it is a sophomore season. There is a question mark there. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, my you know favorite player, he uh, came off of probably arguably the best season of his career last year. Um, regression's probably coming his way. Um, and then Russell Wilson, just like just before them, who I think I don't want to. I I I don't know if it's crazy to say his best year of his entire career could be coming, but I think it could be. Uh, you know, for his, uh, for his, what is it? Age 32 season. I think Matt, Russell, hold Wilson, on. Do, you, do you think he's being penalized just for the end of the season? I mean, it was admittedly, he was a little slow, 
But again, it was re- they faced really tough defenses on the way out. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out. I am totally in last step with you on, on Russell. Yeah, I mean, last three years, uh, quarterback rating 110, 9, 106, 3, 105, 1. Uh, I don't know. He's he's going. He's just going too late. Uh, in my, I guess, in my opinion, maybe it's a principal pick for me. But I think that he finally has an offense this year that is geared towards getting him fantasy stats. Like they always want to win, but I actually think that that's actually going to line up with fantasy this season, unlike ever before. So uh, I guess I just want to. I just wanted some shares to be on board when you know the Russell show takes off. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot to like about Russell Wilson. 16 games played each of the last three years. Got to love that. 4,100 yards minimum the last each of the last two. 71 passing touchdowns the last two years. Hey, by the way, 16 games played every year of his entire career. He's he's he is phenomenal. He's never missed a game. <laughs> he is the the victim of variance, right? That's that's what I'm going to coin. He's a victim of variance. I think people are seeing the game log on the end of the year, and it doesn't scream. QB one, you know, fantasy championship winner. And that's where I kind of pounce because the scripts just didn't allow it to me. That has no bearing on it. I also think you make a great point about Carson. Wilson is an effective runner as well. He doesn't need a ton of running volume. He makes it happen with the five, six or seven times a game. He'll take off. You could almost put him in for like 45, 55, Yards, rushing TDs, maybe not so much, but that's okay because he has, he has the 350 passing yards in him, which maybe we can't say about all of the other running quarterbacks. I love Russell, and it has to do with the price, like you said. We don't know. You know, people are so certain about how the fantasy season is going to shake out, how the football season is going to shake out. And you don't know if Russell Wilson is not going to be better than Kyler Murray in a vacuum. So if I could get Wilson with the three round discount, I'm going to go that route. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll be three rounds, but it'll, it'll well, it is, well I, I'm, I'm cheating. Cause I'm looking at the board. Cause I said, I didn't want to step on the rake anymore, but Mur- it, it's a full, it's a full three rounds. Exactly. We're looking at NFF, See on online, and I had four and seven. Although my thing keeps resetting, but yeah, I mean we're talking rounds differences, so I, I got to get the guy going going last. Oh, now it's probably more like one or two. I'm sorry, yeah, but even still, it's still the last guy. I got to. I got. I would definitely want Wilson. It's still in a vacuum over those guys, including my guy Herbert. Which I should probably clarify. Most of my drafted shares. Were earlier on when now he's in mid seven and he was a little further back when we were first starting. Uh, yeah, which I didn't totally understand. Um, it just seems it seems like a little too. I don't know if it's just a uh, sophomore question marks, but I don't know. Eckler, Keenan, Williams looks good to me. Uh, I, I think he's in for a fantastic year. Let's move into running backs here. Yeah. Uh, my number one again. The, uh, there's so many running backs. I I think I have a share of pretty much everyone in the top 15 or so except, except for Derek Henry, who I actually don't, and I've avoided. Uh, I should say I play primarily PPR full PPR, which is obviously his worst, his worst um, area. And it it doesn't have to do with me thinking anything. I I said earlier, Derek Henry's a beast. Uh, I have Aaron Jones ranked ahead of him. So uh, when you have Aaron Jones ranked ahead of uh, Derek Henry, that means in the draft I'm in, I've either taken, you know, Kamara or, um, uh, you know, or or Christian McCaffrey, or I've taken Aaron Jones or yeah. Derrick Henry's off the board already. There's just never an opportunity where I'm ever taking Henry because um, I'm one of the few people willing to take Aaron Jones over him, and right. you know, it's just it's just not happening. But my number one highest owned running back is Jamal Williams. Yes, I knew that was coming. Which is, you know, again, this is just because he goes so late and I can afford to add him uh, whenever I feel the need to. Uh, This is a couple of reasons. I am a Packers fan. I am well aware of what Jamal Williams is capable of doing. It's the same reason so many people have A.J. Dillon. They added him in Detroit to be a a three down back of sorts. They've actually come out and said that. And then DeAndre Swift has also had an injury to deal with. We're not sure how limited he may be early in the year. This has nothing to do with my opinion of DeAndre Swift's talent. He's amazing. Uh, I think that if given the proper usage, he could easily be a first round running back. But 
I definitely don't think that's happening this season. Uh, Jamal Williams is going to have early down work and he's going to have work in the passing game because he is actually a pretty gifted pass catcher, not as much as Swift, but I think Swift could actually work out of the freaking slot because they don't really have much going on there besides TJ Hawkinson in the passing game. And they are going to be behind a lot. So I think that they, their ticket to actually um, their offense could be a lot of short game work, which I think will be a lot of two running back sets. So I think Williams will be out there and for as inexpensive as he's going. um, Yeah. I'll absolutely add him all over the place, especially where if anything were to happen to Swift or if they were, you were to use Swift more in the, um, you know, actually in the passing game in the slot or anything, Williams would even take on that much more. Uh, but I like Williams just on the field with Swift. And uh, so uh, anything beyond that is gravy. Wait, Matt, hold on. Check. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't mention the thing I like most about Jamal Williams. Well, pass pass blocking. <laughs> well, no, it's that Swift is hurt. And it's so I did. So- I, that was the first thing he said. Oh well, no, but it's 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 like it's linger it's lingering, you know. And we I've seen analysts kind of brushing it off. And I mean, this is just a, two days ago. Detroit Free Press is of some concern over his Week One status. If if he is going to miss Week One, Jamal Williams is probably going to three down that game and again we've seen it he could catch balls i mean he caught eight balls against atlanta last year you know when it it, it just kind of it just happens i mean i remember whenever aaron jones was out you knew williams would could be productive and i mean i think he's going to step into a i don't think i could chalk him for rb1 but i think without swift he's a very solid rb2 finish we also don't know it, man. Groin injuries can be really tough, particularly for running backs, and it hasn't gotten better yet. Man, one bad cut, one bad move, Matt, you could be stepping into a again solid, solid RB two. We're talking; he's at pick one hundred four right now. Mid Swift, if Swift was down, Jamal Williams for me is easily ahead of Josh Jacobs. Oh well, yeah, I don't, I don't really like Jacobs. But how about Mike Davis? How about Mike Davis? Because yeah, to yeah. Well, I well, I think Davis is behind Jacobs. So I mean, I yeah, think but it's, it's all so close. But for me, I know we don't. I don't necessarily care for ADP. I know you like Davis, so that's why I kind of mentioned him. What yeah, about? Well, I, I you know I like him. I have zero shares. <laughs> what, about, what about Chris Carson? Chris Carson, Jamal Williams with no Swift. No, I like Carson more. Yeah, yeah. I think Carson's actually my third highest uh, rostered uh, running back, and. I think that's more out of um, that's, that's more of a circumstance thing for me. I've already said like, you know, he, I am pairing him by the way, consider, I don't like to, to handcuff, but I think, cause I think that hurts your upside. Uh, but I, I, I have been handcuffing Chris Carson with not Rashad Penny, who literally has proven he cannot take advantage of an opportunity given to him. I have been taking Alex Collins, who the coaching in, in Seattle and Pete Carroll have just said how much they absolutely love him. And they're going over how much they love his work in the passing game. So I've, I'm handcuffing um, Collins to Chris Carson. And we know what Carson can do when he's sure. healthy. Uh, so it, if I'm, I'm always drafting a running back in at least the first two rounds, by the time I get to Carson, I usually have two. But if I'm not, if I, you know, end up taking an early tight end or uh, a couple of wide receiver ones um, and it gets to the fourth round for me and I'm looking at that Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, uh, Mike Davis, you know, Darrell Henderson. Yes, I, I'm locking down Chris Carson because right. even though he's, again, not the sexy pick, I think that, you know, when he's on when he's when he's in the game, I think he's proven to be more than safe. Uh, so even, even with the things not to like about him, I like his question marks a lot more. And I like the other people's question marks. Yeah. But that's what it's been. We, we addressed this earlier on in an episode talking about running backs and it's, it's what has me, I, I don't, it's funny. Some people call it reaching. I don't think getting an or you know, two running backs in the first four rounds is necessarily reaching, but that's why I think it's so important because I don't, I don't want to be chasing that later on. And yeah, I know there's injury risk, but that's part of the game. So yeah, I like I like I like to solidify my running backs earlier on for pretty much all the reasons um, you mentioned. I mean, it's it, people have different opinions, but in mine, like if you wait till round six for your RB two, and your RB two is a Chase Edmonds, um, you know, Damian Harris. I I I don't want to say you're screwed, but I don't like it. But if they're your RB one, 
Yes, you're you're screwed. And if you win, I think it's because of luck only and not because of skill. I think the zero running back thing, again, I know the data. I've seen it. Uh, But if you're playing and you are not doing this in bulk, I, it, it does not work out for you. I mean, you have to be lucky in order for that to work. Not only do you need the running backs or injuries to occur for your running backs to be valuable, you need to be pristine in your picks before that. You, you cannot strike out with the wide receivers you took at all. That's right, 100%. Um, what you are. I, I happen to really like Damian Harris, but as he's climbed – We've seen Stevenson behind him getting talked up and produce really, you know, produce great in the preseason and the coaching staff loves him. You could see that split again, if that's your, which is okay. If he's a flex, not okay for RB one. I want the workload. I mean, if I you're want R- he can serve, you can get him as your RB two. I wouldn't be thrilled about it, but yeah, if he's your RB one, you're right. You're in trouble. Yeah. In particular one um, for me, my, the most owned by player share, just raw player share. For me, it's Chubba Hubbard. We've kind of mentioned uh, oh, no. why we mentioned <laughs> earlier on. So just briefly, if anyone hadn't caught it, he's behind the most used back that I don't expect to get 16 games out of. Well, he's now the third string. Royce Freeman was just signed. Chubba Hubbard's now screwed. Well, I don't know. Are you? I don't necessarily buy. I don't necessarily buy that. I don't necessarily buy that. I do that. That that he's replaced. You could be right. You you could be right. Well, I mean, I think we could both agree that that is not ideal news for Trevor Hubbard. Yeah, I would ag- I would agree, but I think I think I'm okay with it because I think what they're thinking is there is no replacing McCaffrey apples to apples. Well, sure. And and if we need to replace McCaffrey, I still think it's Hubbard with the lion's share plus the goal line, where Freeman will probably be a bit of a change of pace. We've seen what Hubbard can do in college. And we've seen what Carolina will do with McCaffrey down, looking at you, Mike Davis, who's now fantasy relevant. So, it, again, the price is so low. I didn't need much of an argument, I felt, because I just think all those pieces of the formula add up to a player that makes it worth it that late in the draft. Well, can I ask you a question? Only because this guy, again, I, he, this guy gets talked about way more than he should ever. Uh, but if you know this news, if you knew the Freeman news all along, who would you prefer, a Hubbard or, or Wayne Gallman? Oh, that's a man. That's a good one. At this point, I'd probably be tracking preseason and news and notes. But knowing it's Freeman plus Hubbard, I would probably go Gallman. Okay, just being on, you know, in the, again, you know, I've been drafting for two months or so which is part of the problem with drafting early. But then again, we've seen people make, you know, what we might think of as bad draft picks. Then, you know, life kind of takes care of that, whether it be injuries, trading and the like. So yeah, to to your question, I would prefer Goldman. The player that I probably would consider more of my most rostered player. Again, you know, Hubbard is involved in these massive best bowl leagues. When we bring in the big money leagues and the redraft leagues, for me, it's David Montgomery, Matt. And I, I think he's, an RB1, and he's the cheapest. We saw what he could do at the end of last season. They've kind of talked him up again, uh, you know, coach speak aside. But we know that he at least can uh, handle it really good down the stretch. Last year is really efficient and even topped out with some serious volume by carries. He went 32, 23, 22 in particular, 32, 146 and two should jump off a page against Minnesota. That was a big game. So Chicago is not afraid to give him the rock. And again, it's as much a price thing. If Montgomery was up around earlier near Barkley, who I'd rather have Montgomery over Barkley Apples to apples. So that's why I have so much Montgomery where I didn't take two running backs very early. I felt like I have a chance to get a guy who could finish as a top, let's say six or seven RB. Matt, you know me. I really try and be very conservative in projections. And again, I also don't pretend to know the future. So, But I think Montgomery has a, has a fair shot at, at that, at being a RB six to nine, and you're getting him as RB let's say 14, but he also kind of solidifies that role. And I like the fact you're not a handcuff guy. I am. I like that he has a quote legitimate backup. Let's call somebody that, you know, maybe could step in and give you that RB two or flex production. Okay. We disagree here. Um, 
<laughs> the it's good radio. You, you like them over Barkley? I hate the Giants this year. That's that's fine. That's fine. But like you're you're sitting there in the end of the third round and you're taking David Montgomery over Barkley again. Barkley, who's been off the board for a long time. But if given that opportunity, you're taking Montgomery over Barkley. Well, I'm just not taking Barkley anywhere ever. Oh, okay. no, well, all right. I don't want to get on. I don't want to get on defending Barkley because uh, I, I get I get the reason to be worried about him. But uh, let's just go to just Montgomery himself, who he had no competition last year. His backup was me. That's why he had his, <laughs> his me. If you look it up on the score, M. Williams, I was his backup. Uh, he does have Damian. <laughs> I've seen Will- you with the truck stick. Come on, man. He has Damian Williams. My brother, Damian Williams, is now on the team. <laughs> <laughs> who I think has a very legitimate chance to uh, give you some solid flex work and maybe better uh, for Chicago. I mean, everyone wants to, everyone's laughs at him. Like, Oh, he's not going yeah, like to too much. Like I, I think it's legit. I don't know what we're going to get from Cohen. Maybe he doesn't play this year. He would really screw things up. Uh, but you know, he's injured now. We don't know what we're going to get, right. but leaving him out of it. Um, I don't think you see anywhere near the role you saw from Montgomery last year, because he was literally doing that as a one man band. And now he has a very capable, I don't want to say one B, but I, I don't want to say he's, he's not a pure backup either. I, I think, I think that, uh, I think that Damian Williams is the Jamal Williams to David Montgomery. I think he's a thorn in the side, but I, I don't, I, where do you see that? That kind of usage. I mean, I, I guess you're saying he didn't have, he didn't have a backup. I mean, they, they tried to get Patterson the Rock, but it just well, yeah, but he sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, it's true. And he's a wide but, receiver, incidentally. But it's, you know, front offices do matter, and I I think they deploy more of a lion share. Again, I hate using all these kind of beat down, washed up terms, but it, it looks to me like it's a it's they like to have a, a solid guy getting the majority of the work you know only one time all season with montgomery on the field did anyone else get double digit carries that is totally in line with all of the major workhorses they've talked about that as well again not pretending to put faith in coach speak because i know how fast i can go south but if we are talking range of outcomes the potential is there. Again, we often talk about opportunity. No, no, I, I got potential. Yeah. I, I think yeah, yeah, Damian, yeah. I think Damien's your third round down back and he still steals early round work. It's possible. You you and I, you know, I think you and I are the only people that think he's worth anything. I mean, I have brought him up in other circles and kind of got laughed down on that one. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, I, I like him. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not much of a James Robinson guy, but I think he's assured of a better role than De- Montgomery is this year. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that. Again, James Robinson, who I don't have many shares of either. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that changed big time. Again, that was right. One of those ones where. This life- is why this is why I draft running backs earlier, draft Chris Carson, because I literally hate the question marks of most of these guys. It's so, I hate it. I hate him. Yeah. No, not the players. Well, the question Robinson, Robinson had as many as anybody with ETN coming in, ETN coming in, and then him coming in and then swiftly going out. We, we just don't know how those things are going to shake out. Now, where Robinson is placed just makes me kind of funny. Let me ask you real quick, Matt. James Robinson, Chris Carson, because they, they are going – there are a couple picks separated, but they are the you know consecutive RBs as far as ADP goes right now. Who do you like? Carson. I, I mean, I don't think James Robinson's very good. Uh, he he, yeah, he was he was volume fourth. dependent, but he does have the volume again. Yeah, but for, but for the middle of the fourth round – Man, that 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 feels a little rich for me, but I would have to admit, especially after the draft capital spent by the Jaguars to back him up, at least with some pass catching, a bit surprised they didn't fill that role, you know, with somebody we thought would be decent. So, yeah, Robinson's going to have his chance at the very least. I haven't gotten there because I was I was not into the question marks and now I'm not into the price. Matt, I want to give you my one of mine, my third one. And it's my it's a Jets 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 Jets. Again, I was super heavy. Nelson and I at FTN were presidents of the Michael Carter fan club. He was going significantly later than he is now. My my, if you were to chart my player shares by date, it would look like a crashing stock because I don't think I've drafted him in a month, and he's still one of my most rostered or drafted players. I say Michael Carter on the Jets. 
it's gotten very hairy over there and and his price has increased right he's become more he's become more expensive he and i'm i'm having trouble getting behind it he was going beyond pick 100 now he's the first pick in the 8th round which is let's say adp 87 yeah, yeah it's a, what do you think I, about michael carter I lo- early absolutely loved him. I thought he was the obvious choice to start over Tevin Coleman. Now he's getting all this Ty Johnson love. Ty Johnson, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think right now is yeah his price is egregious and definitely not worth it. Like you said, he's going an entire round in front of like Raheem Mostert and Damian Harris, which is I'd rather uh, have both of those guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, honestly, right at this moment, I think I'd rather have James Conner than than Carter. But I do have already have Carter. No, I'm not going there with you. I'm going to keep my green on. Uh, you know, I know. I mean, it has to do more with uh, gotcha. Carter has a couple of guys to work with where yep. as Ch- uh, this, uh, this maybe has more to do with my opinion of Chase Edmonds, where the Cardinals have had an opportunity to make him the guy several times over several years, and they are right. not interested in doing it. Uh, so it's not me. Uh, it's me more knowing what Connor can do being healthy now and me not trusting Edmonds. So yep. that's like a totally different story, but uh, yeah, I like Carter. Um, I don't really understand the love for Johnson. I know the stats they put out there and how efficient he can be. But like, uh, just like a uh, a pinch hitter or platoon player in baseball, if you're exposed to full-time work, it doesn't actually work out for you half the Not time. Always. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, I think he was a fine pick early in the season with uh, when he was going much later. Um, now, you know, with guys like Sony Michelle going in the 12th round uh, that probably have a better opportunity, um, less talent, better opportunity. It's tough to take a guy that early um, unless you've really missed out. Uh, again, if you missed out on running backs, you really want to go with something more of a sure thing than a coin flip. So really, yeah, his current price, I can't, I honestly think he's like undraftable at his current price. Yeah, I'm agree with you there. That's tough. I mean, yeah, I liked him earlier. Yeah, right now it's like you said, it's it's all a matter of when you took him, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, how much more time do we got here, uh, John? Uh, definitely at least enough. Let's get through some. Let's get through some wide receivers. All right, wide receivers. My number one guy is Jacoby Myers. I am not alone. Uh, the uh, you know the number one wide receiver heading into the off season there was Nelson Aguilar, uh, but uh, I think that everyone who has followed. <laughs> These wide receivers uh, last season, especially during the off season, knows Jacoby Myers is the guy they're going to go with Mac Jones over Cam Newton. And I think that is going to be good things for this offense. Jacoby Myers is um, incredibly underpriced. And even with the backing where I feel like he's everyone's in the industry, I feel like he's like one of everyone's sleepers, his, price just hasn't really jumped up um necessarily where i think it should i mean he's going one spot in front of russell gage yeah uh so i uh just i just continue to take him again most of my shares of him were when he was being taken in like the 15th 16th round uh now he's going in the 10th which is um you know more appropriate the round ahead of him was jarvis landry callaway fuller hardman curtis samuel and um and now he's going in front of like uh, right after Marvin Jones, uh, Elijah Moore, who I actually love a lot, and then Russell Gage. So I think right now he's probably going in a more appropriate spot. But for where he was going even earlier in this, uh, he was a slam dunk for me. Right now, it's uh, he's I think he's just appropriately priced at the moment, but he certainly wasn't for most of the offseason. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned you mentioned a guy right atop my list. Pretty proud of myself with this, you know pretty broad span of drafts I've done. I only have three players above 20%. Again, I I really focus on diversification. I am terrified of injuries and I just, you know, I like to be exposed where I like opportunities. Nelson Aguilar is one of those players. Again, it was really kind of front loaded. Although I do still see a place for him in teams. He's in the middle of the 13th. And I think you could, Fill in a, uh, he's not, doesn't necessarily have to start for you. And I think the Mac Jones news is good for Aguilar. He has not moved at all. Uh, Myers was behind him, and now Myers is way in front of him to show you what the market could do. I think I agree with you on Myers, though. I'm still not quite sure he's where I think he really should be. Uh, Will Fuller, mid nine, I'd rather have Myers. Um, By the way, I'm with you on Aguilar. I didn't mean to piss on him earlier when I said that. I, I just thought Myers was better. Yeah, now, I agree. No, uh, I, agree. I still like. I I agree with you. Aguilar's a great price. I have plenty of him as well. Yeah, yeah. I think 
Meyer, if Myers moves up another round, another round and a half, let's say, into the 90s, when we get near Pittman, Waddle, Corey Davis, I probably, I, you know, I could see myself going that route, but that's why. Oh, no way. People, I, I, I wouldn't like, I don't like him any higher than he is now. I'd rather have Gallup, Williams, Mooney, Pittman, uh, Corey Davis, Cooks, Landry, Calloway, Fuller. Oh, Co- Cooks is where, I like that, man. You and I are, are pretty close. Cooks is where I was like, because ah, it's, hard, it's hard to get behind Houston. Well, Corey Davis is my next guy, uh, so we can just bring him right into this conversation. Who's that? Corey Davis. Oh, I, think, I think that he has a legit chance to be a wide receiver one. Uh, I he think as, as much hard. as bad, bad, oh, you're a Jets fan. There's bad press for Zach Jets. Wilson. Zach Wilson everyone, looks great. <laughs> everyone hates the Jets. There is an irrational hatred of the Jets. And I get it. They're, they're infinitely disappointing. I never miss a snap. I get it. However, <laughs> they cleaned like, and, and this, this, I really hope this does not come off as, as jet homerism because I'm the most pessimistic, like miserable Jets fan in the world. I, I, I don't even think I like them. I'm probably closer to hating them than anything. But when you do a full clean sweep front office quarterback coach, you can't look at last year. Like even the stats that I like, Matt, I mentioned input versus output. It's very difficult to get your hands on meaningful input stats for the Jets. Now, if somebody said that's the reason why Corey Davis was going very late, I'd say, oh, okay, good. But the reason he was going late is because everyone said the Jets just stink. That was not the case. He's what he is their wide receiver one. He has a chance to be a wide receiver one. I probably have him more like the high teens, low twenties where he tops out, but Zach Wilson has looked great. They seem to have a good rapport going on. He's looking Davis's way and the market has kind of reflected that I had a ton of Davis. He was going so he was going so late. Now he's in like the front end of the eighth round in the high eighties. He for sure. I was getting him in the one hundreds and where he's going now probably feels fair. But I really like Waddle and I really like Pittman. So now I'm kind of diversifying between those guys. So I'm with you with Corey Davis. I still think of anything as an argument to be made that he could be moved up another eight picks in ADP. So and I he, love that. And, and, and he's right now being drafted well, well ahead of where he was. And I still love where yeah. he's going. I love Elijah Moore too. I think the injury to um, what's his name? Mr. Slotman there in New York, uh, Crowder. Um, he yeah, just, Crowder went down. On the list, he yeah. just went down. So Elijah Moore, all systems go for the beginning of the year, but. Man, I mean, hey, wide receiver one, it's it's a crowded room. Um, let's yep. just say in the top 12, you have one injury. You're probably going to have one. That means uh, Corey Davis as the uh, wide receiver one of the Jets in a team that's going to be throwing constantly. Uh, this is, These are good names I'm about to throw out there, but Robert Woods, who has to deal with Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, who has to deal with Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, who has to deal with CD and Gallup, Adam Thielen, who has to deal with Jefferson, Julio Jones, who has to deal with A.J. Brown, Higgins, who has to deal with Chase and Boyd. Um Corey Davis is going to see a uh, higher um, um, t- target share than all those guys. I'm not saying I expect it, but I think I, I think there's an I think there's an absolute story to be told that ends with him as a wide receiver. One, I wouldn't bet on it ever, uh, but the fact that you can grab him next to Jalen Waddle, um, uh, again another guy who I, I do like, and against Jarvis Landry, um, these these are you know, this is a reason to draft Corey Davis because there's, there's a script for him. There's a ceiling that is, uh, that is very, very high. Um, last wide receiver I have is Deontay Johnson, who again, I know everyone loves the the Steelers, but Deontay doesn't seem to be getting quite the respect he deserves. Right. Uh, I named all those wide receivers just now, you know, add DJ Moore, add Tyler Lockett, and you finally get to Deontay Johnson. He is obviously dealing with Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster himself, but again, um, drops are not sticky. Everyone keeps using them against uh, against him, and uh, I don't think they're going to be sticking around this season. And they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. They have yeah. a bad offensive line, which is you know an issue probably for Big Ben himself. But I think out of everything, um, that's going to maybe hurt Chase Claypool. Get the ball out, get it to Juju, or get it to Deontay. I think Deontay is going to be a target machine. Um, and if I'm drafting running backs early, I'm missing that first couple of tiers of wide receiver, which kind of puts me in this area uh, where, again, I love DJ Moore, I love Tyler Lockett, and I love Deontay Johnson. Johnson always ends up being the cheapest of the bunch, so I usually end up with a couple of these guys, with Deontay being my second, uh, my wide receiver too. Yeah, I, I love Johnson. My guy there is DJ Moore. If Moore is gone, 
I'm going, I'm going Johnson every time. Love that pick, man. Target vacuum. Like you said, he's going to get the quick looks. He is firmly entrenched in that game plan. Love, I love Johnson this year. I'm expecting a pretty big bounce back from Big Ben. I think it's, I don't know, it's funny. We mentioned this earlier on in the season as we prepped that the weapons for Pittsburgh are all at the top of the board and Big Ben is all the way at the back end. So somebody's wrong. I, know, and- I brought I brought it up on Twitter and everyone's like, well, Big Ben's, like, they have a terrible offensive line and you can't count on his health. Well, which I'm is like, it? Yeah, why aren't, why aren't you counting that against the wide receivers? Oh, so which is it? You can't, oh, okay, <laughs> right. If you convince me of, of X, if X, then Y. So, okay, if X, then Y. You can't if X, then Z me here. I, I'm with you 100%. I think Pittsburgh is, is going to be really good. I've liked Ben as my, you know, backup quarterback, second quarterback. I think you can stream him even when he's at home. We know he's a beast at home, and his price is awesome. I'm with you on Johnson. My last guy is with you. Get your cheese wedge out, and it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I, I – Again, Matt, I don't pretend to know the future. I like to put myself in good situations. Aaron Rodgers throwing the football is a pretty good situation to me. Scantling just is just kind of stuck in the back of draft boards. People don't necessarily seem to be that into him. I kind of get him everywhere I, I want. Right now, he's at ADP 177. That's the first pick of the 15th round. He could be viable from week one and be, would you call it a wide receiver three or let's call him a flex starter. And I think you get that in round 15. I'm on Scantling everywhere. The comp, There's no competition. He seems to be locked in as the strict number two. Um, listen, Rodgers has no problem going to him. And we saw him get some pretty heavy usage in important playoff games, right? He went uh, four for 115 and a score and he had eight targets the game before that. Um, against the Rams, so I, I'm I'm with Scantling. I'm I was actually hoping when I brought him up, you were going to give me some maybe something I missed or maybe the market missed on this guy because I know you're watching the Packers pretty close. Doesn't Aaron Rodgers' number two offensive weapon in, through the air seem like he should be going sooner? Uh, every year it seems like that should be it, and never works out. Right. Um, I mean, it never. I mean, and it the last time it worked out, uh, Greg Jennings was on the team. Uh, they, they, it, for whatever reason, uh, I'm not, I'm not telling you it's a bad pick or anything like that. I mean, he's going right now around like I'm on St. Ra. Uh, he's going very, 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 very late. And the other guys in the room are Alan Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers, which I think are, um, I think they are competition. Um, St. Brown was released. So he's, he's out of the picture. Not that he was ever in it. Um, Randall Cobb was brought in an Aaron Rodgers request. He's locked in the slot though. Uh, and I do think he'll be a, a target hog, whether fantasy likes it or not, people should be going at him. Um, Scantling's whole thing. He's, he's a home run. He's a home run machine, right? We've seen the highlight reels. Uh, Devontae Adams dropped a tons of passes when he first started. I don't think everyone remembers. He was not very good when he first came in and then he grew into the stud superstar. Maybe we see that happen with Scantling, um, who is just a couple years younger than Adams right now. You know, he's definitely a big home run guy. Um, so he could be like a kind of like Will Fuller used to be maybe like a hit or miss guy. You get your home run swing, but Aaron Rodgers holds a grudge sometimes when you drop passes and he has a problem. <laughs> he drops wide open touchdown passes, like where he is just cruising for like a 60 yard thing and he just drops it. And then I know I've liked scamping in the past. <laughs> so, I mean, there is Alan Lazard and Amari Rodgers there as well. Um, but again, that's, I'm just g- giving you his downside. He's right now he's being drafted in the 15th round with Tyrell Williams and AJ green, <laughs> you know? So there's, there's, right, there's, right, not- how about that? I think, I think that is, I think that's really probably what I should have led with is yeah. at that point, where are you, where are you getting, where are you getting production from? Where are you I, I, I mean, I want a guy being drafted in the next round is Randall Cobb as a Packers fan. I probably would take Cobb, but I guess it depends on what you need. If I just need a guy I can throw in there, that I know is going to give me six or seven points. It's, it's Randall Cobb. If, if I need a guy that I need him to go in there and I'm weak at wide receiver and I maybe need a home run swing, Valdez Scantling is your guy. Uh, um, so, cause I, so I think that's the thing, right? Uh, Cobb, very low ceiling, a uh, higher floor, not a high floor, higher yeah, floor, Scantling, a uh, much higher ceiling and uh, a floor of zero. 
Yeah, yeah. I think my my hope is, you know, the connection, the continuity will take a step forward. That's the bit of leap of faith I have to take. But I feel pretty comfortable with the price. Again, sure. Where you're drafting him, I, I don't have to start him. You know, and I guess hey, he could if he eat- stops dropping p- passes, he would be. I could immediately see him jumping up into, uh, you know, at least the uh, the the Rondell Moore, Henry Ruggs area. I right. easily, I, I could. But I think the floor that you mentioned is also not to be ignored a couple drops and Lazard might take the job. And yes. I think Cobb, see, I, I never really thought of Cobb as a threat to Scanlon. You did a very good job articulating that. I think Cobb will be locked into the slot and be the reliable kind of blankie there, you know, him and him and Rogers are, they wake yeah, up. I think it's more of a Rogers holding a grudge where if he, he does his looks like he'll, he'll, he'll force a ball to Devonte Adams and then he'll just play ball with Cobb and Tanyan and he'll forget the rest of the team. Like if they're dropping balls, he'll put them in timeout. Right. He does yeah, that. I can see it happening. Yeah. But yeah, 15th round, I, I am with you. Um, cool. So I like that. Uh, we're running out of time here. So I'll just uh, list my tight ends just all together okay. real quick. Anthony Ferkser is my number one. This nice. has a lot to do with a uh, tight end premium and the fact that he literally is, I want to say, I don't want to say free, but yeah, kind of free. If you just need a backup, I think that, uh, you know, Julio and, and AJ are there. Corey Davis is gone. Jonu Smith is gone. If anything, Julio was banged up last year. If anything were to happen to Julio, uh, Ferkser could be in line for a ton of targets. So I like him not as a tight end one, but um, in best ball as a backup, I have him in an tight and tight end premium where I want to back up. He is a guy that I'm backing up most places. Uh, there's still Gerald Everett's another good one late, uh, but uh, they, my top two main uh, people I've been getting are TJ Hawkinson. Uh, right. We mentioned the, the Lions offense earlier. There is no one in the wide receiver core that is uh, that exciting. So Hawkinson, right. I think, could lead the team in targets. And then Logan Thomas on the Redskins, who yeah, Virginia know. Tech, uh, you know, Virginia Tech guy. So I'm always going to support him. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to put up some numbers. And Logan Thomas, I don't think was a fluke last year. He's going right behind all the expensive tight ends behind Noah Fant, behind uh, Robert Tanyan at points. So I, yeah, I like Logan Thomas um, where he goes and drafts. Yeah, that's I you you named the my most roster guys, which I guess was the point was well, you know twenty one gone salute for Irv Smith. He's done. He's a big uh, Derek Brown. Put me on him, but what are you going to do? Injuries over. Hey, what do you think of Chris Herndon as a Jets fan replacing Irv Smith? I mean, he could play. To be honest, you mentioned the Jets. I I, I like Tyler Croft actually. A little bit of Kelly Green coming out of me again. He's looked pretty good, and he's my punt. He's my punt. Tight end, but again, I wouldn't wreck him for tight end one. Herndon, I would want to see it first, but I, I think he could be good. Again, I maybe I stress quarterback receiver continuity a, uh, more than maybe I should. I don't like to jump on new connections without them time to ha- kind of let that ferment. My most drafted that I think you could play as a tight end one is actually Jared Cook. Uh, we mentioned Herbert. You just named, uh, if you gave me 50 guesses, I wouldn't have named Jared Cook as your guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. I, well, there, you, there you go again. And it's really not high-owned. It's at 17% where everyone is. I really am into diversifying. He's just a shade in front of Cole Komet and Anthony Ferkser, guys you like. Also, Dalton Schultz. Those are guys I like as my further back, but I worry about their ability to produce as a tight end one. Maybe Komet, I, I think also you could run out week one. But yeah, week one, I think I think Cook is all the physical tools. And when he's been used, he's shown he can be very good. Mm-hmm. And he's gone to places where they just don't throw him the ball and it's hard to produce without opportunities against something you and I stress. So yeah, I like Cook. I like Cook at the price if I haven't gotten guys that I really like. Because you mentioned, Matt, there is a shelf after Thomas that I'm just not, I don't, I'm not gonna reach after that. You know, if Thomas goes and I don't have my tight end one. I'm going to, I'm going to wait, but I don't, I, 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 that's actually that, that shelf is a reason I don't get one of my fate. One of my favorite tight end targets is going in that weird zone where I like Elijah Moore. I like Jacoby Myers. Um, so I don't get Tyler Higby. And I think Uh, he's a, I think he's a monster breakout candidate with, uh, Gerald Everett now out of town. I told you how much I love Stafford. I think Higby's going to feast, but he's being taken right in that area where, yeah, there's so many interesting late they later round guys uh, that I yeah I can't bring myself to draft them as much as I I hope to because there's so many talented guys. But yeah, later, like you said, Jared Cook, 
Austin Hooper, even who I was really down on leaving Atlanta because I thought that that job was tailor made for him. And then he went to Cleveland. I still don't like him, but they're interesting enough people for a backup tight end in this area. Yeah. 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 He could, he could play. So yeah, tight end is kind of is what it is. I, I'm, I like really like Kyle Pitts to be honest. And I, I have no problem getting him if it's late four. Now people are going early four, late three, even sometimes. And that's kind of kind of drawn the line there. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really with you. I think Pitts, I think Pitts is going to outscore Kittle. Oh, I, I love Pitts. I worry about Kittle's, you know, him staying on the field. That's kind of what's kept me off him. I really like Mark Andrews, but now that's at a six. And if you miss him, I try and circle Thomas going in the eighth. And then if I miss on Thomas in the eighth, that's where I'm kind of back. Uh, yeah, I'm dropping. I'm dropping back to either Everett, Komet, or or Cook, like I mentioned. Cool. All right. And uh, all right. Who is the kickers you're, ta- you're, you're, you're looking at? I'm just kidding. And we're not, kickers. We're not talking about kickers. Band all right. Kickers. So we've gone a little long. So uh, long story short, we're not going to have any, uh, we're not going to have any final thoughts, John, just let everyone know where they can find your work and where they can chase you down. If they want to talk some football. Yes. John Legaza, L A G H E Z Z A at MLB, NFL, moving averages. I put spaces in there so you could type in whatever because there are still people. I'm doing baseball every day. You know it. Just taking some free time to work on football because it is so much fun. So thank you. Catch me anywhere. FTN Bets, FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily. And check me out on Twitter any time of day, any day of the week. Thank you, Maddie. All right. So uh, thank you for listening to the Daily Blitz podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Matt Williams, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S on Twitter. DMs are always open. If you want to ask about uh, week one coming up, start, sit, DFS, what have you. We'll be back next week after the debut Thursday night game, right before the Matt week Williams. to talk a little bit more. Start, sit. No else, thank you for listening seven. again to the Daily Blitz podcast. We'll see you next week. See everybody. This is the Blitz, licking their lips. Twitter with this, minimal risk. Finity shares, ripping off red. Quick in the hits, first on the list. This Matt Will going crazy on the daily. Dropping facts like a shower in the world. The rain and entertainment, yeah. Another day, another pod. All these thoughts are up for size. So I had to ask him what he got. Said he got a lot. Said you got a lot of what? Got a lot of shifts. And it's time for the daily blitz. blitz.